When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome back to part two of a discussion of failure with the professor of failure herself. Elizabeth Day, and someone who, like me, does failure professionally, we're both stand-ups, Justin Morehouse. This chat is amazing, and I'm sure people will be hanging on every word, but I always like to put an amazing, simple tool, something you can do after shutting down your listening device. This is not to just to continue the chat to be about children, but I heard Minna do something the other day which really pissed me off. She was like, oh, I'm rubbish. Verbalised that I'm. So one of the best things I learned when I was working through all my um, kinks and nooks in my personality was I've realised, even if I come off stage or I try and cook a meal or I've booked a holiday that's gone wrong, I might be thinking, oh, you twat, you're rubbish. But I've noticed a difference in my life since I stopped verbalising my self-reflection on failure. You wouldn't think there could be a difference. Surely it's just as bad to be sat there thinking, I'm rubbish, I'm a failure. But what it is, if you live with people, you can perform the drama of I'm a failure to those you're living with. And I was so guilty of that for years, like getting the uh, Pavarotti opera cloth out. I'm a failure, look how I flagellate myself in the lounge. Once I forbid or learn how to stop doing that, just like not swearing on live radio, for example, which on live TV, which I've had to learn, it's a verbal tick. I had, it, it makes a massive difference. It's a sort of self-harming gateway drug saying, I'm shit, I'm rubbish. I think there's a fine line between doing that and, and being naive. We see a lot in our, in our industry of very, very bad comedians and <laughs> they fail on a regular basis. Some of them earn a lot of money. <laughs> and they don't even accept, but they don't accept these men. These men, it's always men, don't accept how bad they are. Yeah. And I just often wish that we could transplant some of that misplaced. Oh, confidence. wouldn't it be nice, Justin? This is so up my street. Just like, just like five percent of it into a normal yeah. human. Yes, an ego marrow transplant, <laughs> not a bone marrow transplant. <laughs> when I fail doing stand up, to talk to bring it back to the subject, when I fail, I used to go, "Oh, the audience were this." And I remember some of these older guys would say to us, "There's always something you could have done better." Mm-hmm. There's always something you could have changed about it. And if you reflect on it, you do. But then it took the words of a woman, uh, mutual friend, Sarah Millican. Oh, she's great. To invoke what she calls Millican's Law. Are you aware of this, Elizabeth? No, I can't wait to hear it. I try to encourage you to go with Millican's Maxim, obviously, for alliterative purposes, but we'll go with Law. Millican's Law is a very simple one. Despite no matter how well the gig goes, if it goes terribly or it goes extremely well, after 11 o'clock the next day, 
You don't think about it. You don't talk about it anymore. And that's not just for showbiz. I have that rule at home. So if me and Lindsay have attempted to have a date night, it's gone horribly wrong. We've had a Barney or... I'm so glad you said date night. No, but like, you know, say we can... We've attempted sexual relations. Even that, that would count. Yeah. But, you know, we're going to have an amazing night. We're going to drink wine and have a meal and chat, but we've both been grumpy and fallen asleep. We won't sort of dine out, pardon the pun, on the failure the next day. What do you think, Elizabeth, on this this idea that verbalising failure makes failure worse? Oh, I could not agree more. And just quickly on the failed date night, failure <laughs> for me is what happens when the reality of your life doesn't live up to your expectation of it. And actually, if we manage our expectations, if we verbalise our expectations to ourselves differently, then we change the entire metric. If we question where we get our expectations from, like I thought I would be married and have children by my early 30s. Where did I get that expectation from? Mainly 1980s rom-com movies, I'll be honest. (laughs) Like That's not a valid metric for my life. So I think that's one way that you can reassess what failure actually means. And the language we use to ourselves is incredibly important. I mean, I've started doing a similar thing, Russell. Like, I interrogate my worst, most anxious thoughts because a lot of the time your brain is spiraling off on an anxious narrative and an attempt to protect you from what it perceives as threats. But very often those threats aren't real. It's just your brain doing its job from a caveman and woman era when it was scanning the horizon for wildebeests or whatever was alive then. And actually, if you take a moment and say to your brain, well, hang on a second, what evidence do you have for that assertion? Because often your brain doesn't have objective evidence. And if it doesn't have objective evidence, then you have the power to exchange that negative thought for a positive one. That's within your gift because you are actually in control of how your brain speaks to you. Mm. That's so liberating. When you when you have that realisation, you're like, oh my God, yeah. I've got the solutions built in. It's easier said than done. It's like training a muscle. Exactly. It is exactly like training a muscle. And it's like going for a mental workout in the same way as you go to the gym for a physical one. But one easy way of getting started is to just change individual words. So instead of saying... I feel fearful. You could experiment with saying, I feel excited because quite often there's a lot of overlap there. Instead of saying, I have to do this, say, I get to do this because what a privilege it is that we do get to do all the things that we get to do. And just starting with those very simple building blocks can have a massive impact. Bloody hell, it's a toolbox in this one, isn't there? I can see a fact sheet coming on. I want to ask you what you think about this. When you say you talk after a gig and it's not gone well and you would verbalise it, I find that... An extraordinary thing, because I think I've approached, especially the job we do, this, I like to say this like we're the Sopranos, this thing of ours, you know, this this weird, unique, bizarre, sort of freakishly odd endeavour that we do, that when it goes badly, I've Rudyard Kipling it, you know, I treat those success and failure, those imposters exactly the same, with just a shrug, and at the best times I just go, it was all right. And if it's terrible, I just think it was all right. And I think what I've done is I sort of medicated <laughs> my reaction, like much like you know antidepressants, where they just take the top and the bottom off all your sort of emotions about that. Hmm. So you never really enjoy anything that comes well, and you never really feel badly about it. I mean, can I just ask, as a stand-up comic? Can you separate your enjoyment of the task itself, doing stand-up comedy, from how people react to it? If if everyone no. 
food. Not unless you're a psychopath. That's really interesting because that must be one of the only areas where you can't separate it. That's one of the good things in lockdown. We're not, not the Zoom gigs because you can still see whether people are enjoying it. But I did lots of live transmissions where all I've got is the number of people watching and I'll be doing like a live stand-up improvisation on Facebook. And most people would say, well, that, that would be hell, there was no laughter. But it was a short reprieve from the reaction of the people. But then, of course, you start to think, oh, the viewing numbers are going down. That's a, pro- <laughs> yeah. that's a proxy for lack of laughter. And I, there, was this, there was this weird interim recently where we were doing panel shows with no audience because we weren't legally allowed to have them. So the, the runner or the producer go, look, I know you're doing blah, blah, blah show today, but there's going to be no audience. And couldn't understand why so many comedians were happy that there was no audience. It's because... Like right now, it was just the joy of being funny in conversation where we're trying to be funny with no House of Lords rejecting the humour bill and passing it back. It's more than that, Elizabeth. When you ask that question, you know, your enjoyment of it, like, I think, I don't know what about, I don't know, uh, Russell, I love going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about Same. every gig I do. Same. Stand-up comedy. You know, I don't love everything else. I don't like the doing the, the accounts and the traveling. But standing on that stage, getting the adulation is amazing. Yep. And you say, if they don't like it, are you still enjoying it as much? And Russell says, of course not. If 999 people are loving it and one oh, person... I get worried about person, that person. Are they grieving? Do they hate me? Person. Are they ill? Is yeah. it COVID? Is it a symptom? COVID, no smile. But I, where we've been talking about stand-up, I wasn't just like that with a gig. So we'd go out for a meal... And it's being planned in advance. And the meal was rubbish. Yeah, it, it was a shit meal. The food was cold. The old me couldn't stop talking, verbalising that failure. Oh, that meal was shit. Oh, that's a night wasted. And then I'd get the bit between my teeth. That's fucking what a waste of time. That and a waste of money. That was on one night. And all, it was this monologuing on, on failure. And then it sort of metastasizes, And before you know it, your whole night's gone. Can I ask a really personal question? Like, whose voice is that? Like, where does that come from in your oh, life? Oh, my old does- man. 100% right. don't even have to think about it for a second. Right. <laughs> I could have told you that. I mean, I, basically, I was going to tell you that, but I thought I'd be polite and ask oh, the God. question. I get upset about Russell's dad. <laughs> I'm upset now as well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to live the life that your dad... No, absolutely. I broke, no. That, broke that 10 years ago, that cycle. I did a, something called the Hoffman process, which I, oh, it's I, meant to be amazing. I recommend and I get le- anonymous letters, I would say one or two a month, handwritten with tear marks on them. Because the last day of the Hoffman process, you're allowed to write a letter of gratitude. And if you don't want to send it to a family member, you can send it to someone who inspired you to come to the Hoffman. So I get loads of these because I'm so verbal about it and they're really moving. You got, uh, sadly, I can't describe anything that happened because you sign an NDA because the surprise of the process is part part of the the process if you like but it's nothing like it, it it's not sort of really psychiatric or or, or laying on a couch and, and freudian it's a it's a real process and that broke the recorded tape the pattern the constant acting out like a disney ride where it gets reanimated every 15 minutes of this will be shit the traffic will be shit the food will shit the gig will probably be shit that's gone now that disappeared from my life in 2010 because it's not your voice and well done you that's so fucking brave and it's not your voice. I know a lot of men have it because I wouldn't do stand-up about it. And there's so many people applaud in recognition. So the depressing thing is, it's obviously not this bizarre, freakish trait that happens to just a few men here and there. I think a lot of people know a lot of blokes like that that come in and like get the you know the performance gown on and start talking about, oh, I'd failed at this, oh, I didn't get promoted, I've got no money, my life was shit. It's a common thing. We've all heard it. The Hoffman thing, it's not the ice thing, is it? No, it's nothing to do with ice, no. No, that's Wim Hof. That's Wim Hof. (laughs) And it's not the Rain Man movie either. No, no, you don't dress up as Tootsie. (laughs) 
<laughs> you get in an ice bath in a frock and you get <laughs> Your death doesn't matter anymore. No, they're two things I still do after a gig, a frock <laughs> yeah, and an ice bath. Yeah, yeah. I can't recommend it enough. God, we should have done this as a two-parter. I can see that. Fuck's sake, we're going to run out of time here. I, I just wanted to say off the back of what you were saying about your dad, Like, I, I know a lot of women who have that internal voice as well, and it manifests in a different way, and very often it can be their mothers. And it's just so interesting mm-hmm. and quite scary how much impact our parents or the people who perform that function for you in your life can have on you those kind of early years like how difficult it is to rid yourself of that childhood shaping and how it really does take a lot of intention and attention to do that absolutely here's one for you i didn't have that because i didn't have a strong bond with any of my fathers (laughs) Uh, either of my fathers i had two fathers and um I didn't really get that sort of thing. However, what I did learn in my uh, late 30s is that the fact that I didn't have that bond with my own father had created problems for the way that I was parenting. Right. And I became I became the domineering father I was lucky I didn't have. Wow. Fucking hell. God, we're all fucked, aren't we? There's just there's literally yeah. <laughs> That's why we're interesting. Have you have you met people that had happy childhoods? One of the most boring <laughs> bastards you will ever meet. <laughs> This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because of the the nature and the, the historical subjects we've covered, we have to go there with relationships. I know we're all sort of happily... Well, are we happily in relationships? I'm just assuming. It's been a long a lockdown. I mean, I stalk Elizabeth regularly. I know she is. <laughs> Justin, are you dating attached? Uh, well, I, this is a matter of public record. I was attached, I wasn't, and now I'm reattached. To the same person? Yeah. Great. Congratulations. You'll be more freshly able to comment because I want to talk about relationships and when it comes to failure, men and women, sadly, even in 2021, are still playing an almost Neanderthal-level different game. Men still have to be afraid of rejection. 
I want to talk about asking someone out. I don't care whether it's a DM, a swipe with an aubergine, or let's go back to like the 1580s, meeting someone in a pub and talking to them. You won't even remember that, kids. Most kids think a door is a giant WhatsApp device. But there is a lot more at stake still, depressingly. is the, There's not yet an ocean of women coming forward to ask men out in a bar. Change that, ladies. The final step of feminism needs to be acted out. But that failure of asking a woman out, someone you really like, I'm not talking about trying to get your end away. A fuck boy is the phrase, apologies for the language. I'm talking about someone you really like. It's built up, you've been working together at the office, you're going to say something, you can send an email, you're going to do I mean, I feel like that's worse now, not better. Because a lot of the important conversations we're having, which I totally am in sympathy with and back up and support, obviously, but from talking to men, what's really being said is they're even more scared now to ask girls out. What's going on, Justin? Do you agree? You're the most recently been out in the market and sampled it. What's going on? No, no, I didn't I didn't actually get involved in that, but I can still show you my scars from my childhood. <laughs> and that is the worst time I've ever failed. I asked a girl out once and she said to me, you? And I just went, no, I'm just joking. Yeah, I got an uh, I got yeah. an uh, one, one worse than a you, I got an uh and a runoff. Uh! And run off. I mean, I was I was sixteen. That's still old enough to be affected for a long time. <laughs> um, Elizabeth, help us. You're like the Dalai Lama of emotional literacy. Oh my god, that's so nice. Can I use it as a blurb somewhere? <laughs> Men are. It might not be fashionable to say it. It might even sound a bit dodgy for me to say it. But I promise you, in the privacy of the lads' chat group and pubs, men are now more scared than ever to ask women out and the failure of being rejected. Steroid use is on the rise in an age where we know what it does to our cardiovascular health. Male eating disorders are on the rise. We're in a sort of weird peacock age where men are trying to attract but Mm. still doing the asking out. That's some toxic shit, isn't it? It's really interesting hearing you talk about this for myriad reasons. I think one of the things that I, I'm i aware of, so my partner has three children and two of them are teenage boys. And I'm very aware of how difficult it is as a teenage boy to navigate the necessary area of consent. And there's been a lot of chat about that. And I do think that that's something that is really, really difficult to wrap your head around at a young age because you don't want to live in a world where really bad things happen and bad things might be thought of you and you have to take the preemptive strike. And that's just a real like mind bender and a really tough forest for young men to find their way through. And I completely appreciate that. From my own experience, I had a period of time being single in my late 30s when I was on all the dating apps. And I actually found that men were in a position of power there because there were few of them and so many women of a certain age who are seen as kind of, you know, chop liver, well past your sell-by date. Oh and my especially, God, Elizabeth, Jesus Christ. <laughs> especially on an app like Bumble. Let's go with emotional Dalai Lama on the post here, not chop liver. <laughs> not chop liver. <laughs> Do you know what? That is my go-to protein refeed, so it's a bad example for me. <laughs> I'm sorry if I triggered you, I'm sorry. No, um, I just want to go and saute a liver now. I uh, On Bumble... That's an app that famously, when that was started, the woman made the first move and it was meant to be incredibly empowering. And actually, I just found myself feeling completely opposite, really like vulnerable and people wouldn't reply to me. And then I'd feel like, well, why have I bothered anyway? Which sounds like a bit like how you were experiencing dating when you did it. That thing of having to make the first move is 
horrible. And I'm depressed to think that that's still, like men still think that they have to do that. Do you think social media and phones have made it worse or better? Yes. Because to a certain extent, Tinder and Bumble or whatever on Grindr, if you go, it got rid of that need to be drunk off your head before you yeah. make the first move. I can now, for the first time in history, were I single, be sober and indicate sexual attraction to a woman. This has not been possible in British history before. I mean, ever. You had to wait until you're off your tits at the Christmas party and then do something inappropriate. And you'd both be, like, sweeping up the ladies on apps because you're both so funny, so you're so good at the kind of banter bit. I think the thing is, it's like, yes, it's made it easier. And I met my husband on Hinge, so I am, like, you know... What is Hinge? I'm so so retired, I don't even know what Hinge is. Hinge is also a dating app. It's a dating app. (laughs) Is Hinge the one where... It's called Hinge because the door's closing. (laughs) (laughs) Minimum age, 38, are in role. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) You don't swipe left, you just grab a handle. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be on stairlift next time I'm single. You've downloaded stairlift yet. You have to swipe diagonally if you want to ascend. made it easier but it's also made it cheaper so men and women think less of things like ghosting and like being in touch with someone over text doesn't really mean anything and so if you never hear Mm -hmm. from them again that's just part of the rules of the game and that can have a massive impact yeah i've played with tinder with other comedians so some of them just dirt dogs you know comedians and men they'll be in a new town and they'll go on tinder and it's like a location thing and they're beep, 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 beep. They're just looking. And I'm fascinated by it. I'm going, show me this thing. And the level of chat is terrible. Mm. I mean, my chat was great, obviously. But I think generally oh, speaking... Imagine, imagine the, the chat from Elizabeth Day. <laughs> <laughs> I walked into the room and noticed light playing upon the table as I reached my mobile yeah. phone. Oh, I thought, in the subjunctive. <laughs> my text recently with this guy that I was dating and I thought I was playing it so cool and my texts were all like several paragraphs long and then he would reply yes no. Do you have to wait for the like the corrected proof of your text to come back from your <laughs> It's an occupational hazard I've got a friend who's a, a, a perennial dater and he said he said oh Tuesdays are the worst days oh What? God, what does that so mean? Interesting. He said because Wednesday, Thursday it's, uh, it's like a Craig David song Got any plans for the weekend? <laughs> Friday is like, out tonight, Saturday, Sunday, how's the weekend going? Monday is, how did the weekend go? Tuesday is this hinterland of nothingness. I'm up for abolishing Tuesday. I've always thought that. Do you know a fact about Tuesday? Least car accidents, least number of deaths, lowest attendance in restaurants. I mean, people don't even bother to die on a Tuesday. It's that boring. (laughs) It's a statistical fact about Tuesday. It is shite. Listen, we're almost out of time and I have to ask the question that I know a lot of guys will be sat there in their boxer shorts shouting at at whatever they're listening to this on. How do we get around the fact, as uncomfortable as it is, Justin, that there is a lot of men would report, yeah, okay, I've taken everything you've on said, I've repackaged failure, blah, 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 but ultimately I'm single and I don't feel like people are sexually attracted to people that fail a lot. And that to me, there's a marrying in my head with being alone and failing. And that our culture sort of makes particularly men, successful, powerful, rich men, is a sexually attractive thing. I mean, you could literally look like pork mints uh, rolled in, uh, well, Boris, basically, and be pulling all day long. As lovely as all the stuff we're saying is, there'll be a lot of people out there at the bottom of a, of a failure well thinking, yeah, but I wouldn't mind meeting someone, but no one fancies me because, in inverted commas, I'm a failure. How can we get around that, Justin? Is it is it self-confidence? Is that the hack there? Personally, I had a friend who was in this sort of rut, as you t- talk about it, 
And I just said to him, I said, I'll tell you five great things about yourself. Ask your friends, because essentially when you're looking for a partner, you know, you're looking for a friend that you can touch. You know, you're looking for a friend that you can have sex with, aren't you? That's what you're looking for in a partner. You're looking for your best friend and your best friends will tell you the best things about you. So I think, you know, find out what's great about you by the people who like you. They only like you for the good stuff. Ask them what the good stuff is and then spread the word. Good answer. Elizabeth, I mean, that, this sort of toxic association of power with success, with attraction to, to females, it just fucks, it fucks blokes up. I mean, I can speak as someone who has been through a series of relationships and found my husband when I was 39. And I can guarantee you that I fell in love with him because of his failures, not in spite of. Were you looking for somebody to fix? No, I wasn't. I was looking for someone who had truly understood himself. And I think you can only Mm. truly understand yourself if you go through really tough times. And we'd both been battered around by life. We'd both been bruised and we'd both chosen to learn from it and then put ourselves out there to meet someone. And so meeting someone like that, like that's what I wanted. I didn't want the power. I didn't want the success story. I definitely didn't want Boris Johnson. So (laughs) I would say to that hypothetical person who might be listening, if you feel in the real doldrums of failure right now, my heart goes out to you, but I promise you it will pass. And if you choose to, once it passes, you can choose to learn something from it and it will make you into an even more extraordinary, strong, attractive person if you choose to let it. Amazing. I mean, if it wasn't such an expensive road mic you were using, I'd ask you to drop it because that was a fantastic (laughs) statement to finish the show. Uh, What can I say? Elizabeth Day, Justin Morehouse, thank you so much for coming on Man Baggage and talking about failure. So much practical stuff in there as well as deep wisdomy stuff. Um, If you like what you've heard and you've happened here because you happen to be fans of Elizabeth or Justin, do hang around. Hit subscribe let us know what you thought but only leave positive reviews because if I read a negative review that's a type of failure and I just can't handle it it's not part of my self-esteem and I need to drop down to 12% body fat before I can accept myself I'm joking roll with whatever God's given you see you next time flexibility is great that's why there's yoga flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too that's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 